Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Father, thank you for being our God, our leader, our Savior, our forgiver, the one who gives life, the one who gives love, the one who teaches us how to love. And Father, may our lives just scream it to the world by the way we love, that we are loved by you. God, would you speak to us now as we look at these pages of Scripture, these verses, these, these words so ancient but so true. Would they resonate in us again, God? Would you teach us how to love better? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Uh, this summer here at Faith Christian, we are camping out in our teaching time, camping out in this little paragraph of Scripture that we find in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians is in the New Testament, because that's kind of the second part of your Bible. And in this little paragraph uh, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes for us, he gives us a list of characteristics or attributes of things that show up in the lives of people who follow Jesus. And he calls these the fruit of the Spirit. That's why we have pictures of fruit up here this summer. Uh, we're, we're referring to these fruit of the Spirit. These are the the fruit that are displayed, the overflow of our lives as, as God fills our lives, as we follow Jesus, as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives and leads us and guides us, this is what happens in our lives. These things are the, I, I've been saying like this all summer, this, this is the evidence that you follow Jesus, that these things show up in your life, not the bumper sticker on your car or what church you go to or what your t-shirt says, the proof that you are a follower of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is living in you, are these nine characteristics showing up in your life. This is what success looks like in the life of a Jesus follower. By the way, this is what success looks like, looks like in the life of a church. This is what we together, when these characteristics, these attributes, are what we are known for, church, in Tuscarawas County, in the state of Ohio, around the world, this is success for a church when these things show up. So I'm going to ask you to read these with me out loud again. We've done this every week so far, and we'll do it as we walk through all of these. Let's read these verses out loud, these characteristics out loud, this fruit of the Spirit passage. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Read it with me, please. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today we come to number three on the list, and that is peace. Who doesn't want some more of that? Who doesn't want a little bit more peace in their lives? Remember the old commercial? I'm going way back. This is for, this is for some of you who are around my age. Remember the old commercial? The mom, she's stressed. All the kids are crazy. And what she say? Calgon, take me away, right? That's peace. You got the pit, then she's in the bubble bath. She's relaxing. She's got the kids locked out, right? That's peace. Everybody wants a little more peace in their lives, don't they? Here's the deal. The world we live in says that you can have it. The world teaches us, tells us that you can have peace because we all want peace. If you want that kind of peace, the world says, well, you, you got to go somewhere. Head out of town. Go on vacation. Go to the Bahamas. You'll find some peace. Or if you want that kind of peace, you got to buy something. One more Amazon delivery and you'll have peace, right? One more car, one more whatever it is you widget you need to buy and you will find peace. The world says if you want that kind of peace, you got to ingest something. Go get a prescription or don't. Just find something that will numb the pain and the stress in life. 
The world says if you want that kind of peace, you got to be with someone. You got to hang out, you got to hook up, and then you got to move on. That's where you'll find peace. What I'm telling you today, church, is the peace that Jesus offers, the peace that is the fruit of the Spirit, the peace that really speaks to the pain and the hurry and the stress of our life is vastly different than anything the world offers. Because the world's peace is temporary, it's fragile, it goes away very, very quickly. It's external. It's, it's a moving target. People who try to find peace in all those ways, they may have it for a moment, but then they need the next fix, the next trip, the next person in order to have more peace. But Jesus didn't just talk about having peace. Jesus didn't just talk about getting peace or gaining peace. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, we get to be involved in it. God gives it, we get to receive it, and we get to give it, but also we get to be involved in the peace that God has given us. Chuck Swindoll says it like this. Peacemakers release tension. They don't intensify it. Peacemakers seek solutions. They don't delight in arguments. Peacemakers calm the waters. They don't trouble them or stir them up. Peacemakers work hard. Now here we're kind of getting to this idea that there's something for you to do to be a part of the process of peace, of bringing peace. Peacemakers work hard. They work hard to keep an offense from occurring. Peacemakers lower their voice instead of raise them. And peacemakers generate more light than heat. Indeed, blessed are the peacemakers. We need that in our world, don't we? We need more of that in the ranks of the church. There are enough people who are ready to pounce, ready to get the claws out, ready to get the mama bear claws out, right? We need more people who are trying to make peace. I love a story I heard about the dad who saw his young daughter, middle school age daughter, working hard on her homework. She's sitting at the table doing the homework. He said, honey, what are you working on? She says, well, I'm researching and preparing a report for school. Oh, okay, honey, what's, what's the report on? She says, I'm researching the condition of the world and how to bring about world peace. He said, wow, that's kind of a big job for such a young girl. She says, oh, no, Dad, don't worry about it. There's three of us working on this project. <laughs> By the way, the kids are going to be all right, aren't they? I love her enthusiasm. I love that, that idealism. But is peace that easy? It's estimated that over the last 3,100 years of human history, this will take us before the time of Jesus, over the last 3,100 years of human history, the world has only been at peace about 8% of the time. In other words, I did the math. Over the last 3,100 years, the world has only known peace for about 286 of those years. During that time, over 8,000 peace treaties have been made and broken. Someone once cracked, peace is that glorious moment in history when everyone stops to reload. I think sometimes that's the way it works. 
If you look at our world today, not only do we not have peace, we seem to not have peace in every sector of our lives. We don't have global peace. We don't have economic peace. We don't have religious peace. We don't have racial peace. We don't have political peace. We don't have family peace. We don't have social peace. And for many of us, we don't have personal peace in our own lives. There are well over 400 direct references to peace in Scripture and many more that are indirect. Three times in Scripture, God is called the God of peace. Let me show them to you. Romans 15, the God of peace be with you all. I probably should pray that prayer for you every single Sunday. The God of peace be with you all. 2 Corinthians 13, dear brothers and sisters, be joyful. Oh yeah, by the way, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage one another, live in harmony and peace, then the God of love and peace will be with you. Do you hear it? How you get to be a part of us. You live in harmony and peace, then the God of peace will be with you. You get to participate in it. Philippians 4, 9. Keep putting into practice. Here's this, again, this idea of we get to participate in this. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So peace is something that you participate in. When you participate in the life of God, you enjoy the peace of God. That's why it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. As we allow Jesus to lead us and to guide us, as we allow the Holy Spirit to take up residence and guide our lives, peace is one of these attributes that comes overflowing, pouring out of our lives. So what I want to do today is I want to try to get very practical with you in this idea of peace, and I want to identify some ways that we can participate in God's peace. And I'm going to use the word peace as kind of an acronym, as kind of a way to help us walk through these and remember, remember them. And I'm just going to say, as, as we go through this, it might be helpful for you to go ahead and get in your mind somebody, some relationship that you have, again, we're trying to get practical, some relationship that you have that needs some more peace right now. You don't have to say them out loud because they may be sitting next to you, all right? So just think of a relationship in your life where you might need a little more peace, and that might help you as we walk through these, uh, these P-E-A-C-E's of how to participate in God's peace. Here's the first one. First one I, I want to mention is that we need to plan a peace conference. You want to have more peace in your life? It's intentional. So you got to plan a peace conference. The idea, idea here is that you are taking the initiative. You're not waiting for them you make the first move. Listen to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. So if you are about to place your gift on the altar and remember that someone is angry with you, in other words, you're about to do your, your most important act of worship, and you remember there's, there's some conflict somewhere in your life, in a relationship, leave your gift in front of the altar. Jesus says, this is more important. Make peace with that person. And then come back and offer your gift to God. The key word here is you. It's not you wait on them, it's you go take care of this. You go figure this out, it's you go. It's immediately, don't delay. It's more important than your worship. Don't put it off, don't wait. Don't think, oh, it'll happen some other time. Don't wait, do it now. The principle, according to scripture, we talked about this about a month ago in here, quite a bit. But the principle, according to scripture, is if you are the offender, or if you are the offended, the ball is in your court. You go. It's your turn. You take the first step. You make the, the, the first move. And I know what you're thinking. Why should I have to go first? Because Jesus did. 
and we follow Jesus. That's why. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus went first, and it is his spirit that is producing fruit in your life. That's the P, plan of peace conference. E, empathize, empathize, I'll get this word right, empathize with their feelings. Empathize with their feelings. 1 Peter 3, 8 says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Even on Facebook. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. You know, I heard somebody once say that God wants us to be etic. God wants us to be etic. Does that make any sense to you? Of course not. Let me, let me fill it in. God wants us to be sympathetic. Empathetic. He wants us to be etic. So once you sit down at the peace conference, whether it's with your spouse or with a friend or a neighbor, or a coworker, or a child, a teenager, whoever it is, here's the first thing you have to do. If we're going to empathize with a person, the first thing we have to do, you ready? This is hard. This is the hardest thing I'm going to tell you to do all day. The first thing you have to do is listen. Everybody say listen. listen. Yeah, now say it like you heard me. Listen. Everybody, that's the first thing you have to do. That's it. That's the first job. Your first task in this peace conference is to listen. You listen. Tell me your story. Tell me what's going on. I want a better relationship. Tell me how that can happen. Tell me your story. And don't interrupt. Don't rebut. Don't, <clears throat> don't roll your eyes. Don't tap your foot. Don't get impatient. Don't burn in anger. Just listen. Listen to their perspectives because you might learn something. And when they finish, even if you feel like you're being dumped on, here's the second thing you have to do. First thing is you got to listen. The second thing you do is you say, ready? Tell me more. And you listen again. Is there anything else I need to know? And listen. Take it in. Really listen. There, there's, a, there's an old cliche that says listening equals loving. Because love takes time, doesn't it? To listen. I, I love the, old, the, the story of this, this couple. They were out with friends one night, and they're uh, sitting over dinner and having a glass of wine, and they're just talking. And the one couple says, you know, we've, we kind of hit a rough spot in our marriage, and so we've been going to marriage counseling, and it's really, really been helpful for us. If things are really have made a turn, they're, they're going well. And, and the first couple, say, uh, Mary says, the other couple, she goes, oh, <laughs> Bill and I would never go to marriage counseling. Well, why not? Well, she said, well, when we were in college, he was a communications major, and I was a drama major, so he communicates really, really well, and I act like I'm listening really, really well. <laughs> See, the point of all this listening is not to try to think of how to reply or how to just to fake it that you're listening or how am I going to get back at you or how am I going to respond to you. The point of listening is to actually understand what they're saying. Romans 15.1 says, We who are strong ought to bear with the doubts and fears of others and not to please ourselves. Philippians 2.4, Do not look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, when we're listening, we're doing all, doing all this listening, and tell me more. I need to know your perspective. I need to know what you're thinking. Here's some key things to listen for. 
As you're, as you're listening, listen for, very specifically, listen for this person to express their doubts, their fears, and their interests. When you are being empathetic and sympathetic, when you're actually listening, when you're actually saying, tell me more, listen for the doubts, fears, and interest. What are this person's doubts about this situation? What are they afraid of right now that's causing this tension? What are they interested in right in this moment? When conflict comes, and it comes, when conflict comes, it often comes because you're not paying attention to what's going on underneath the surface of what the doubts are, what the fears are, or what the interests are. So we say things like this. We don't mean to do it, but we say things like this. Well, there's no doubt about it, but they doubt it. Or we'll say, well, I'm not afraid of that, but they are terribly afraid of that. Or we say, and this one's the worst, you shouldn't feel that way. That's not helpful. They do feel that way. Or, well, I couldn't care less. Well, they care a lot. So here it again, Philippians 2.4. I read this a second ago. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You know, sometimes, <clears throat> I don't do this a lot, but sometimes the meaning of a Greek word, the Greek's the, the language of the New Testament, the original language of most of the New Testament, the meaning of a Greek word can help us. And in this verse, that word that's translated there, look out, look out for, that, that, um, that is the Greek word skopos. I'm probably saying it wrong because I don't do Greek well. Skopos, skopos, skopos. Can you hear any similarities in the word scopus to any of our English words that you might understand and know? Scopus, microscope, telescope, stethoscope, the scope you put on a rifle. You with me now? Now, do you hear it now? That's, that's how it's, what's translated look there. That's the word. The idea here is to focus on, to pay careful attention to, to scope out that. If you want to make peace with somebody, you've got to change the focus on what you, from what you need and what you want, and what your fears are, and what your doubts are, and what your interests are to their fears, and their doubts, and their interests. Because when I'm angry, when the when tensions are high, when I'm angry, I think about me, I think about my rights, I think about my needs, I think about my hurts, but the Holy Spirit who lives in us, again, this is a fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives in us can help us scope us, can help us pay attention to what's going on in the needs and the lives of someone else. That's the E. Here's the A in peace. Attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not... This is tricky. You got to really choose your words carefully here. Because if you say something offensively, why are you surprised that they respond defensively? You with me? So let me give you just... I picked these up. These are not mine. These are not original to me. I, I kind of like these. Seven quick rules for a fair fight, all right? Seven rules, quick rules for fighting fair. Number one, never compare. Well, why can't you be more like my mother? Ooh, don't ever say that. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like her husband? Never compare. Number two, never condemned. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. It's your fault. Never condemn. Number three, never command. I demand that you... That'll never work. Never command. Number four, never challenge. Try that. See what happens. Now you're threatening. And when you do that, they immediately, it just immediately deteriorates the relationship. Number five, never condescend. Anybody besides me ever get sarcastic? 
never condescend. Oh, so now you're the king of the world. Oh, you're going to tell me what I should do. Ne never condescend. Number six, never contradict. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't have a different opinion. It means don't interrupt them when it's their turn to speak. And number seven, never confuse. Here's what I mean by this one. Don't bring in an unrelated issue to try to derail or sidetrack the conversation. Stick to the issue at hand. All right, that's, that's the, the, the A. Now, here's the C in peace. Cooperate as much as possible. We plan the peace conference, we empathize, we, we attack the issue, not the person. We cooperate as much as possible. Look for ways, areas, where you can agree. There's tension in the relationship, there's a, there's a rift. Look for a place where you can agree. There's got to be something that doesn't compromise your principles, that doesn't go against Scripture, that you can both agree on. Even if it's just as simple as, we want what's best for the relationship. You've at least agreed on that. Even if it's, if it's only that, even if you agree just on that, we may not agree on how to get there, but we both want what's best for the relationship. That's a start. And once you do that, you can understand what Paul is saying in Romans 12. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone not some things don't do some of the things you can don't do a few of the things you can not if you feel like it you should do this no no do all all that you can to live in peace with everyone well they're not doing it it doesn't say that does it it says you do all that you can to live in peace wisdom is peace loving and courteous wisdom allows discussion it's willing willing being willing to yield to others where you can it's full of mercy and good deeds it's wholehearted straightforward and sincere we don't compromise god's truth but we can always find some place some part where we can agree with almost anyone your relationship with that person is worth it James 3.18 says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace. You got a relationship in your life right now where you need to plant some seeds of peace? Because you understand, don't you? I mean, I, I shouldn't have to say this. You know this. This is not a one-and-done thing, this peacemaking process. If you've been on the outs with someone for 30 years, you're not going to make up in 30 minutes. But you can plant some seeds a peace, which might lead to a conversation, which might lead to a, so what is it I can do for you? What is it that I need to hear from you? And then you go back through this, this, this list we've been going through. Here's the E, the final E in peace. Emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. Emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. Here's the difference. Reconciliation means reestablishing the relationship. Now, pause. Everybody pay attention. I've got to make this caveat again. I've said this before many times from this platform. I will say it again. This is not always possible. Sometimes there's been abuse. Sometimes there, there's been a, a violence. Sometimes it's just not safe. Sometimes it is not healthy to reestablish a relationship. But when it can be, that's the goal. 
Reconciliation means reestablishing the relationship. Resolution means you resolve every issue. And our goal here is reconciliation, not resolution. My wife Megan and I will have been married 23 years come October. And I'm going to tell you, we have not resolved every issue. She's kind of stubborn. <laughs> I, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> okay, I am too. We are shaped differently. We, we have different interests. We have different abilities. We have different personalities. We have different experiences. We are not going to resolve every issue, but we can have reconciliation because we care about each other. We can be as different as snowflakes, but we don't have to start a snowstorm because of that. I really believe, and this is a lost art in our world, I really believe it's possible for people to disagree without being disagreeable. People think different things about different issues, and that's okay. And we can walk hand in hand even if we don't always see eye to eye. So focus on the relationship and the issue gets smaller. And I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to be a troublemaker. I want to be a peacemaker. And the peace we're talking about is only possible through the Prince of Peace. Peace is His fruit. Isaiah 26, and I think this is a huge key for having and giving peace. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. If you want to have peace, it comes by keeping your focus where it belongs, on the prince of peace. Your circumstances, they'll change. But if you focus on our unchanging God, your peace can be persistent. It is a peace that is from him, through him and in him. I'm going to go ahead and ask our communion team to go ahead and take their places, get ready to serve us. And as we get ready to transition to our time of communion, I want to tell you one more story. Many years ago, at the conclusion of some pretty high tensions between the nations of Argentina and Chile down in South America, the two nations decided to make a covenant of friendship between their two nations, between Chile and Argentina. And as a symbol of this covenant of friendship, they erected this statue. I've got a picture of it. This statue, it's called the, uh, the Christ of the Andes. Maybe you've seen the picture. Maybe you've been there. And I love the inscription on the statue. Listen to what it says there at the bo bottom of the statue. Sooner shall these mountains crumble to dust than Chile and Argentina shall break the peace they have made at the feet of the Redeemer. See, what they did was they recognize where real peace comes from. Peace doesn't come from me just trying harder or you trying harder. Peace comes at the feet of the Redeemer. Paul says this, Colossians 3, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Now pay attention to that verse. There's a really important word there. It's the word rule. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule 
It's not let the peace that comes from Christ visit your heart every now and then. Whenever you're feeling really good, you're having a good day. That's not what it says. No, no, no. It's let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ be what's in control of your heart. So when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't call a truce. He didn't call for a ceasefire. He made peace. He took on the sin of the world for us as the true peacemaker. And we celebrate that, that now as we move to our time of communion. Let me pray for you. God, in a world of war and conflict and Facebook fights and families that disown each other and aren't even speaking to each other, in a world where relationships are strained, we need your peace. And we acknowledge here this morning that this is not something that we can just make happen, but it is something that we can participate in, that we can be a part of it, but that that peace is your fruit in our lives. So God, now we come to this time of communion, and we thank you that Jesus made peace for us on the cross. And we remember him as the true peace for our souls and for the world. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.